0: Greatness is sort of an elusive term. How do you measure greatness anyway? Well, that might be a little bit hard to answer, but I would go on to say, I believe we recognize greatness when we see it. For instance, if you think about a great athlete, uh, again, what would make a person a great basketball player? What would make a person a great baseball player? What would make a person a great whatever kind of sport? Well, again, it might be a little bit hard to write a list of all the attributes that you'd expect, but when you see a person who is great in sports, you you recognize that. You know who's great. Uh, What about a great politician? I don't know. I mean, it seems like the attributes of politicians are sort of negative to start with, and so maybe a person wouldn't even want to be rated as a great politician. But we know some, don't we? We know some who are very proficient at least in politics, a great politician. What about a great teacher? Have you had a great teacher at some point in your life? My guess is you have. And probably as you think back uh, through your years of education, you, you have in mind maybe one or or one or two, probably not a lot, because it is, a, it is a, a, a high bar to be a great teacher. But hopefully you have and I have, and we can re- remember great teachers that we had. Today in our lesson, we want to talk about one of the greatest men who ever lived. Now, how would we rate that? Well, that might be hard by our standards to come up with a standard of greatness. But the one that I have in mind is the one that was mentioned in the reading that Joseph did for us just a few moments ago from Genesis chapter 5. In Genesis chapter 5, I want us to talk about Enoch. Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of of Enoch were three hundred and sixty and five years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. I, I think the reason why we can identify Enoch as one of the greatest men who ever lived is because it says that he walked with God. Now. Down here it mentions Enoch walked with God again. We think that this walking with God, this this second reference here, is in regards to God taking him, being translated away. So he was uh, 365 years old and Enoch walked with God and he was not. So I believe this walking with God right here is a reference to that. That God took him and took him away. He's very unique in that regard. The only other one that we can call to mind in the scriptures who had a similar experience would be Elijah, another great man. And so I, I think the very fact that he was taken by God was translated in that way and walked with God in that sense indicates that he surely was great in God's estimation. But I want you to concentrate on this first use of the expression... That he walked with God. Because that's definitely not talking about him being translated away. Because Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons. That's talking about while he was still here on earth, right? He was walking with God while he was still on earth. He walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And so this, this is the one that we want to key in on. Because this one, I think, suggests how he lived his life and what made him great and and describes the reason why God would translate him and take him away. And so we want to talk about Enoch for a few minutes this morning. And we want to focus on that expression, Enoch walked with God. But we're focusing on the sense that while he was living, he walked with God. We're not going to focus so much on the fact that he was taken by God, We're going to focus on how he lived his life. He lived his life walking with God, and it made him great. We'll talk about that for just a few minutes here this morning. Thanks for being here. I want to stop to add words of welcome to those that have already been expressed. We're very glad that you're here. We especially welcome our visitors. We want you to come back every time you have a chance to be here. If you have any questions about anything that we're doing, why, how, please ask those questions. We're very determined to try to follow Bible authority for everything that we do. And hopefully, it would be our intention, at least, that if you ask us, why are you doing that? Why you do that that way? We want to be able to give a book, chapter, and verse answer, show you from the scriptures that it's not our opinion that we're pursuing. We're trying to do God's work His way. So if you have any questions, by all means, ask. Thanks for being here this morning. So, in what ways did Enoch walk with God? What did it mean in this sense, this, this use of terminology? I think we can answer that, and I think we can make some applications to our lives as we seek to walk with God. The first thing that I would point out is that Enoch agreed with God. Now, someone said, how do you know that? How do you know that Enoch agreed with God? Well, I would I would come to that conclusion based upon a well-known expression in Amos chapter 3, verse 3. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Notice, if you're going to walk together, you have to be in agreement. Now, you know that verse, Amos chapter 3, verse 3. And so it says if you're going to walk together, you have to be in agreement about things. So it could never be said uh, that... A person walked with God unless he agreed with God. Moses, or excuse me, uh, Enoch here. Enoch agreed with, with what God said. He agreed with what God commanded. He agreed with everything that God did or instructed, and it was fundamental to his greatness. He agreed with God. You know this verse, this Amos three verse three. That gives people some some problems in our modern religious world, because in our modern religious world. What is suggested is we ought to overlook our differences. I don't agree with you, but we'll just overlook our uh, disagreements and we'll move forward. And, and so they have a real problem with Amos chapter 3 verse 3 when it says you really can't walk together unless you're in agreement. I, I picked this up off of an internet blog. Listen to this. The Amos 3 verse 3 passage has been misused much to say that we must all agree in other words, think the same thing in order to walk together or have fellowship together. So he said he says that's a misuse. This this internet blogger says that's a misuse of the verse to say that we have to agree if we're going to have fellowship. He says what it really means is simply to set a time to come together in order to begin a, a mutual journey. You think that's what this means? You think that when Amos 3 verse 3 says can two walk together except they be agreed you think that just means wow we just we need to hey let's have coffee next tuesday and and we'll talk about it you know is that what that means you know that's not what it means and you know that Enoch didn't think that that's what it meant to walk with god when Enoch walked with god I believe it clearly means that he agreed with what God said. Anything that God commanded he would do, everything that God did was right. Enoch agreed with God and they walked together. There's no doubt that Enoch would say like David in Psalm 33 verse 4, the word of the Lord is right and all his works are done in truth. What about us? Do we we have that agreement or are we fully and absolutely determined that God's way is the right way? Do we agree with God in everything, in all that he does, in all that he instructs, whatever he commands? Do we agree with God? i got to tell you, it's not true for everybody in the religious world because they want to disagree with God on some really some basic fundamental things. For instance, take the matter of baptism. I'll just use this as as an illustration of a point. Do people really agree with God and thus walk with God? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21 says, Baptism doth also now save us. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 says, Repent be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. In Mark 16, 16, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. What about baptism? i got to say, that really seems clear, doesn't it? We go through those verses all the time. We know those verses. Those verses seem really clear, but there's a whole bunch of religious people who say, I don't think so. I don't really agree about that baptism thing. I was once studying with a couple of young Baptist preachers, and and I brought up some of these very same verses, and one of the fellows says, well, he said, that's what it says, but that's not what it means. (laughs) Well, it is what it says, right? It means what it says, and if we're going to walk with God, we've got to agree about that. That's pretty easy, pretty straightforward. You're not. But if, if you're denying simple Bible truths like that, then you are not walking with God. That's just the plain facts of the matter. We have to agree. Let me give another example. And it has to do with church discipline. We've talked about this a good bit recently, so I'm not going to dive too deeply into this. But you know the verses that come up, we don't like it, it's unfortunate, we'd rather never have to do it, but you know the verses that come up that instruct us that if a person becomes unfaithful to the Lord, ultimately they must be disciplined by the local congregation. Second Thessalonians 3, beginning verse 14, if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed, yet count him not as a brother, an enemy, but admonish him uh, as a brother. In First Corinthians 5, verse 11, it says... I have in the same, talk about the same matters. Paul says, I have written unto you not to keep company with such a one no not to eat. Well, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people who disagree with this. There's a lot of our own brethren who disagree about this. There are a lot of congregations that don't ever practice church discipline. And even when churches do practice discipline, there are members in those churches that won't follow through and, and be an active participant in the process to try and win back the erring brother. And you know what they're saying, basically? They're saying, I don't agree with God about that. I don't think it'll work. And if the church does it, I'm not participating. I'm going to continue to have my social fellowship with this individual. You know what you're saying there? You're saying you disagree with God. And I'm just using that as an illustration. You can't say you're walking with God if you're going to disagree about the things that God says and the things that he tells us to do. Do you see it? Let me give you one more example. Enoch was great because he walked with God, because he believed God and he agreed with God. But that's not true of everybody. What about this well, well-worn well verse, Hebrews 10, verse 25? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Do you agree with that? Do you agree with the, that we should not be forsaking the assembling of ourselves together? Or do you think, ah, yeah, know, it's optional. I'll come when I want to and I'll stay home when I don't. I'll come when I can, but if I got other plans, I'm going to pursue those other plans. Are you walking with God? If you disagree with God about things like that, So Enoch was great because I I believe we can say with absolute certainty, he was a man who agreed with God. And when God said something, when God did something, when God commanded or instructed something, Enoch was there and he was in full agreement with that. He, He walked with God. I'd also argue that Enoch had a true faith in God. And, and our emphasis here is on the word true. He had a true faith in God. This is really an essential point of his walk with God. Notice that Enoch was included in Hebrews 11, the great text that we've studied even recently. We call it Faith's Hall of Fame. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him for before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God that's kind of interesting he walked with God he pleased God but it was by faith what did the faith of Enoch involve what was what was the the explanation of that what kind of faith did he have was it was it just simple acknowledgement like most people today oh yes i believe i believe in God oh yes i believe in Jesus Christ the son of God In other words, all all he had to do was just say so? Was it just simple acknowledgement or was it more than that? Well, you know it was way more than that. His faith was the kind of faith that we have studied even more recently. A deep, devoted loyalty to God that led him to do everything that God told him to do. To be obedient in all regards. And that's the kind of faith that God desires of us. A faith in which we not just say it but live it we're going to show it by what we do in luke chapter 6 verse 46 jesus why call you me lord lord and do not the things that i say that doesn't make sense does it here's somebody who makes the 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 verbal acknowledgement that jesus is lord but they're not doing what he says to do jesus that's not right that won't work that doesn't get the job done Matthew 7, verse 21, Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is heaven. Again, here are the people who make the verbal acknowledgement, but they are not doing the will of the Father. And so to to really have faith means that we must be obedient. In James chapter 2, we just began a study of James in our Bible class this morning. We'll we'll quickly get to chapter 2, wherein... James says famously, you see how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. That seems so very clear. In Galatians chapter 5 verse 6, Paul definitely put faith and works together when he spoke about faith which worketh by love. Now, what about Enoch? Would you agree with me that he had that kind of deep, obedient faith? He had faith in God. It's what made him great. What about you? Would you like to be considered great in the Lord's service? I hope you would. I hope that we all would. I I hope that that would be our aspiration. That's what we're striving for. We, We really want to be great in the Lord's service. Well, we have a role model here, right? We have Enoch. Enoch walked with God. God, He was such a great man. God took him, translated him. We know what was behind that. He agreed with God and he had a true obedient faith in God. Let me suggest to you one more thing about the greatness of this man, Enoch. He was great in that he proclaimed God's message to the people around him. Now, the reason I know that comes from a couple of references. First, in the New Testament book of Jude, in Jude verses 14 and 15, notice, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these saying, now stop there for a minute, understand the word prophecy, very often, and we all do this, but very often when we think about prophecy or prophesying, we think about telling what's going to happen in the future and that does and that certainly is a part of biblical prophecy is describing things that will happen in the future but it, it in a very literal sense it just means a forth telling to to tell forth the 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 word and will of god and so enoch did that he prophesied enoch the seventh from adam prophesied of these saying behold the lord cometh with 10000s of his saints to execute judgment upon all to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So I want, I want you to, so we're talking about Enoch and key in on the fact that he was a prophet of God. He told forth the word of God. So what would you say about Enoch? Part of his great, that was included in his greatness. He, he was not timid to proclaim God's message to the world around him. Would you be great? You want to be great? Then this is a part of it. And we need to imitate Enoch in this regard. Now, let me give you a specific uh, example of Enoch prophesying. I think this is rather unique. You may have seen this before, or many of you I know have because you've studied it with me. Back to that. Genesis 5, genealogy that we read just briefly earlier. Look in Genesis 5, verse one. Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. Now, you know that name, Methuselah. But it, it sort of stands out in that list as a rather odd name. But you also know that back in those times... When they gave children names, they gave them names that meant something. The names had a meaning. We don't do that, you know. So somebody's going to have a new baby. They may even get one of those books that list baby names. Oh, there's a name I like. Name the baby that. And we don't have any idea maybe what the name means. We just like the name. That's why we name babies. But ba- back in Bible times, when they gave babies names, the names meant something. And so you can imagine that the name Methuselah means something. The Hebrew scholar Thomas Newberry says that the word Methuselah means when he is gone, it will come. Or when he is dead, it will be sent. What a weird thing to name a baby boy. When he is gone, it will come. Who named him that anyway? Enoch did. Enoch was a prophet. And he named his son Methuselah. Now I know some of you have seen this before, but stick with me on this. All the days of Enoch were three hundred and sixty and five years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And Methuselah lived a hundred and eighty and seven years and begat Lamech. So right here, take this phrase right here. Enoch lived a hundred and eighty seven years. So put that over here. We're going to add this up. Enoch was 187 when his son Lamech was born. All the days of Methuselah were 969. Keep record of that for a minute. You know that number, 969. I, I, my guess is if we did a Bible trivia quiz here, and a lot of you would have come up with that number. How old was Methuselah? 969. And the reason we remember that, of course, is the old, he's the oldest man of record. Nobody else, at least as recorded in history or the Bible, ever lived any longer than Methuselah. And so although his name is odd and he's he, he's really not, we don't really know very much about him. We know that. Do you ever hear somebody say, oh, that guy. That guy, he's as old as Methuselah. Well, he may be old, but he's not as old as Methuselah. Methuselah was 969 years. Hang on to that for a minute. Okay, so all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died and Lamech lived a hundred and eighty-two years, and begat a son, and called his name Noah. So take this. So we got the hundred eighty-seven. Take this up here. We got a hundred and eighty-two. So one eighty-seven is how old that Methuselah was when Lamech was born, and one eighty-two is how old Lamech was when Noah was born. Add those together. How much older was Methuselah than Noah? Well, it's simple math, right? He was 369 years old. Methuselah was 369 years older than his grandson, Noah. Did you you remember that? That Methuselah was Noah's granddaddy. And he was 369 years older than Noah. All right. Now, move to chapter 7 of Genesis. Genesis. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day where the fountains of the great deep broken up. In the 600th year. The flood came in Noah's 600th year. Methuselah was 369 years older than Noah. Right? We just figured that. That being the case... The flood came in Methuselah's 969th year. Well, wait a minute. Wait just a minute on that. Isn't that what Methuselah prophesied? When he's gone, it will come. When he dies, it will be sent. Almost a thousand years before the flood, this great man Enoch prophesied the judgment that God was going to send when he named his son Methuselah. That name was actually a prophetic pronouncement. Isn't that interesting? So again, we're putting that all together to simply suggest that Enoch's walk with God included proclaiming God's message to the world around him. And and if people will be great in God's service today... If we would be great in God's service day, we must do this as well. Mark 16, verse 15, Jesus said, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. That great commission filters down to every generation of Christians. It's our job as well. And the early Christians did this. We mentioned this in our Bible class this morning. But in Acts 8, verse 4, they that were scattered abroad from Jerusalem, the early Christians who were scattered from Jerusalem, they went everywhere preaching the word. That's what we need to be doing as well. Enoch was great. His greatness was seen in that he agreed with God. He faithfully obeyed God. And he proclaimed God's message to the world around him. What about you? What about me? As we said earlier, greatness is is sort of an elusive thing. It may be hard to put a finger on what makes someone great. But I believe we can say with certainty what made Enoch great. But I would argue that the same thing that made him great can make us great if we will imitate him. Are you willing to do that? Are you, are you desirous of being great in the Lord's service? Well, obviously, that you've got to start that walk, right? If you're going to walk with God, you've got to start that walk. And if you've not become a Christian yet, you need to make that decision. If you, if you are able to know and understand the will of God, if you understand your need for salvation, we urge you to make the decision to obey God. That plan of salvation is simple. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized for the remission of sins. If you're ready to obey that, we'd be ready to assist you. If you need more help and you've got questions you want to ask, just say a word so that we can help you with that to make this important decision. If you're a Christian already, but you realize that Even recently, you have not been walking with God. Uh, You need to come back. Repent of that. Pray for forgiveness. If we can pray with you and for you, we'd be anxious to do that. Let us know while we stand and sing this song.